0: Our first movie tells the story of a friendship behind prison walls that spans more than 20 years. to episode 33 of Middle Brown Madness, an exercise in podcast hubris. My name is Derek Gade.
1: I'm Isabel Arf. Uh, to start with, Derek, I'm going to offer the audience an apology uh, for <laughs> a then. lot of different things that are happening right now. No, you can deal with it. Oh, this no. is I was going to say you get paid for it, but you definitely do not. Uh, if anything, you're, you have more of an investment in this than the audience, but you signed up for it. All they right. get to leave whenever they want. First of all, it's Ramadan. I have not drank water since... Four thirty AM. As is custom. And uh yes. Uh, also not eating food since four thirty AM. Also mm. got like three hours of sleep last night because I got off work at ten. It takes me about forty five minutes to get home. Didn't go to sleep until like eleven thirty, and I had to wake up at like three thirty, like like three, to be able to actually like get breakfast or uh, suhur made for myself. So So I'm which, very tired. So you're gonna and be I'm uh, thirsty and hungry.
0: You're in a headspace.
1: And also, there's going to be a lot of mouth noises because uh, my mouth is very dry. Um, what my solution to that uh, is that I have a glass of water, and I have another glass of water that's empty, and I'm going to be swishing water around my mouth and spitting it out in the other one to make my mouth moist when it gets too bad. So you put the water Hopefully in your the mouth, mouth but, you don't su- too bad. but you don't swallow it. Yes, correct. Okay. Which is allowed. I mean, otherwise, you couldn't do voodoo. So. Um, if you hear that noise, you shouldn't, because I edited it out. <laughs> but if Derek hears it, that's why you know there's a gross noise going on. Okay. Um, so there's all that. And then also I just had a bloody nose before we started recording <laughs> and my toe's broken. Oh no. It's just a mess. Uh but Isabel, uh, you should be you should be on the injured
0: reserve. You shouldn't be recording.
1: <laughs> well, I I really wanted to record while I was still in peak Ramadan brain, because I don't know what's going to happen with it. Uh not that it'll be <laughs> Much different, I'm sure, than a regular episode where I'm already fucking indecipherable. But
0: <laughs> I wonder how it'll affect your takes. That's what I'm interested in.
1: <laughs> so now that that's out of the way, there's a new lizard in town, and his I'm name sorry? is Mr. Green. He's the fun, cool lizard that I'm embodies awesome. the spirit of Sobe Beverages, and his new namesake oh soda is scheduled to hit store shelves in May two thousand two.
0: I remember these. I used to drink these. In, I used to drink these in like like, pr- like late elementary school, early high school. Like these fucking, these fucking bowling pins of shitty lemonade.
1: Mr. Green Soda Pop is Sobe's first carbonated beverage, and it's loaded with attitude, energy, <laughs> and a taste soft drink fans will love. Mr. Green will be supported by an aggressive grassroots marketing campaign. Mr. Green features a delicious blend of flavors and is enhanced with ginseng to give it that extra lift. The soda pop also has a unique, quote, discovery aspect that sets it apart from other flavored (laughs) soft drinks in the market. Discovery. It will be available in 20 ounce and one liter bottles at launch, and it will have a unique brand positioning in the marketplace. Word unique comes up a lot. It sure does, because is there anything more unique than Sobe Mr. Green Soda, whose brand is no longer available, according to Uh (laughs) BevNet.com? I stumbled upon this press release because I was on the Wikipedia page for Sobe Life Water, uh, because <laughs> there was like a, a trending hashtag on Twitter that was Sobey Lifewater. And then the, like, it, w- it was a sponsored hashtag it was like promoted. And then the line underneath it where you put like the tagline just said it has nutrients, which is, <laughs> I mean, what a I hope. I mean, not, I would hope so, but also not a great tagline, but I was, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm having fond memories of Sobey, of Sobey. Uh, as a beverage company so let me go on their wikipedia see how they're doing and they have a lot of discontinued products derek
0: and I they all have so.
1: just the worst names um <laughs> especially the ones that start with lizard for example there's sobe lizard lava mm-hmm. sobe lizard fuel sobe lizard lightning and my favorite one which is sobe john sorry sobe lon john lizards grape grog that's impossible which- to say <laughs> If anyone has a bottle of Sobe Lon John Lizard's Grape Grog, um, please send it to me.
0: I will pay you money it. for
1: it. Um, in fact, let's see. Oh, it's an empty bottle. Fuck you, worthpoint.com. I'm, like, Googling <laughs> it to see if I can buy a, if I can buy one.
0: Uh, can you yeah, even sell I, food on eBay or whatever?
1: Probably not. But, mm. I mean, like, hey, they do. A, you're not supposed to sell, like, Japanese adult videos on eBay, and I bought quite a few. Because there's okay. people that do it under the table and just, like, don't say that's what it is. But if you're a collector, you can tell from, the like, the little screenshot and they'll put, like, the collector item name in it. Like, the cool. edition name. So quotation mark,
0: Japanese quotation mark, movie wink. Get it?
1: Uh, uh I, th- I believe they call them, like, Japanese, like, idol movies or something like that.
0: Idol movies. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, Because I'm shiftless when idle and I got time to waste. <laughs> Jerking off, that is. Oh Derek... Boy. Yeah. Lizard Tales is a monthly digital newsletter published by Sobey for their fans. The newsletter provides consumers with product updates, <laughs> promotions, and cultural trends. This does not exist anymore. I looked for it. The newsletter Sobey <laughs> Yes. Um these are just some facts in the Sobey marketing campaign part of Wikipedia, because this has clearly not been updated for a very long time. Um Sobey recently, and I'd like to point out that in the little Wikipedia, like where it says citation needed, it just says when. <laughs> partnered with Jessica Sozher and previously Twilight Star Ashley Green for their Sobe Lifewater skin suit campaign. Wait a um, minute. There's a lot happening in that sense <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. So we got Sobe. They partnered with Jessica I don't actually know how to pronounce this name. S S S Z O H R Zor. Probably sore, Zor, yeah. Yes, Zor. Who was in movies I've seen. Uh no, no, do not recognize her at all she was in piranha 3d and ted 2 so hey
0: <laughs> i haven't seen neither of those
1: movies <laughs> don't um <laughs> and then there's ashley green who to be fair was the best part of twilight the original um she and her the character she played was also the best character in twilight so shout out to ashley green you're doing great work
0: billy burke would have to uh, like to have a word
1: with you but okay <laughs> Billy Burke does not get much to do in that movie. If he did more, I'd love I'd love to give the credit to him. Um, it's more about the aura. And there's the LifeWater Skinsuit campaign. What the which, hell is
0: this? This sounds weird.
1: So I thought it was like a weird thing until I looked up. And it's just like a bikini modeling thing for Sobe LifeWater. <laughs> um, because uh, a later detail in his says, Yvonne Stra- Strafosky, I'm assuming a swimsuit model, is the current Sobe su- Skinsuit model for 2012, promoting mm. their current coconut water life water.
0: You mean the you mean the the fucking stuff that clearly just looks like cum? Like just a bottle of cum at the bodega? Hell yeah, it
1: does. That's my favorite part of getting uh, that one Mountain Dew they had for a while. Is, was there Mountain Dew that drinking like cum at one point? Yeah, there was like watery... Uh, I think it was called like White Lightning or something. It just looked oh, like watery oh. cum you were drinking from a Mountain Dew bottle. Um, the 2001 game, Oddworld Munch's Odyssey, features vending machines in the game oh that God. dispense sobe drinks... This was only available in the North American version of the game, which I have on my shelf. All of this can, was a I can mistake. confirm. I want to tap starting out on that place. Starting in 2007, Sobe sponsored the Chicago Rush cheerleaders of the Arena Football League. The NFL, yeah, I They changed their they changed their name to Sobe Adrenaline Rush Dancers, which that, I think that's fair. Um, and. Last just and us, just a fun lay. fact
0: that you wouldn't have researched, but I know offhand because this uh-huh. is my area of, es- of like esoteric knowledge. The Arena Football League no longer exists.
1: Of course it doesn't. Come on now.
0: It lasted for a while, but it only recently went under.
1: Longer than a lot of the other like comp- competitors for football leagues, right?
0: Yeah, a lot longer.
1: Yeah, because like, um, obviously like, the XFL lasted fucking dog shit, nothing.
0: Yeah, both um, both –
1: like And there was two, a recent one, too.
0: Yeah, the two iterations of the XFL together combined for about a season and a half.
1: And then there was, like, a recent attempt to do this.
0: There was um, – well, there's – currently there's something called the Spring League. There's something on Twitch called fan-controlled football. There's always going to be, like, second-tier American football because not everyone can make it to the NFL. There was the Association of American Football, which lasted two-thirds of a season.
1: I think that's what I'm thinking of because I remember um the people from Waypoint talking about it um, um,
0: yeah they're they're always trying, and no one really succeeds the a f l was the one that succeeded the most, and they went under after like almost thirty years in business so so what what's the appeal of arena football versus regular football it's um is it smaller it well a it's smaller. And I think uh, originally this is, this is very boring and of interest to no one except me. But you know the amount of times that I get to bloviate about a boring thing for me on this show, not that much. So I'm going to take advantage of this. Go for it. Um, the I, uh, originally as as initially conceived, arena football was yes, basically indoor football you played on a field the size of a hockey rink, and that's the, small uh, as fuck. Yeah, and the draw was twofold. One you would have players that would basically play both ways. They would play both offense and defense. The only people who wouldn't would be specialists, like kickers and quarterbacks and stuff like that. But like Aces, offenses, if you will. Exactly. Uh, linemen would play both ways. They would be – The offensive linemen would be the defensive linemen and vice versa. Um, and also, uh, there's a smaller field and hence there is a lot more scoring. And scoring is exciting. So It is exciting. So the, the shape – That's why of the I enjoy game, watching basketball. The shape of the game dictates – kind of the uh kind of the style of play. And since someone could very easily just throw a ball d- down downfield, like just bomb a ball forty yards and get a touchdown, like an average game there'd be like 140 points scored. So that was but, the opinion. I mean that, that sounds fun. I'll be honest. It was. And also uh there is teams in like sort of smaller markets. Like there were teams in like Des Moines and Columbus and you no know, places that wouldn't have the, the juice for an NFL team, let's say. There was a team for a couple of seasons in Toronto called the Phantoms. They had the most late 90s, 2000s-ass logo of, like, the Grim Reaper. It's it's It looks like a shitty tattoo. I feel um, like
1: you were seeking out a shirt of this. Am I correct?
0: Uh, no, I was seeking out a shirt, uh, I was seeking out a jersey of the Roller Hockey Internationals Montreal Roadrunners.
1: Uh, gotcha. Um, um, Weren't you, I feel like were you? Was it you or someone else that was seeking a jersey of the uh, the Japanese baseball team that has a furry as a mascot?
0: Oh, I don't know if it was the furry, uh, if, if if it was the one as a furry with a mascot. But I'm definitely on the lookout for like, um, I've been eyeballing a uh, Hiroshima Carp jersey for a while. Hell
1: yeah! Also, I'm looking at this Phantoms logo. This is dope as hell. I would totally <laughs> wear like a jersey with this on it. Um, but I would uh, never watch hockey. But most importantly. An Employee of the Month 2006 film, Vince Downey, played by Dax Shepard, drinks Sobe Nirvana with a Gatorade twist cap. <laughs> this is my favorite thing about the Sobey Wikipedia page. Of all the things, there's so many things to love about it. One that, that it hasn't been updated in a decade. Uh, number two is that the the way I found out about Mister Green Sobey Mister Green, um, which is the new lizard in town. So so there's like a list of like, hey, here's all the like current products they have. Here's all the discontinued products. And then there's one section that is like a little mini like has a whole thing to it. Like it's way more content than anything else for any other products for Mr. Green specifically. So there clearly must have been someone who was just a fan of Mr. Green, but it wasn't a big enough thing to be at its own page. Like it would have gotten deleted. Mm-hmm. So they just made like a little kind of like infographic about it. Kind of like when you... When you look up a song on Wikipedia and people covered it and there was a really famous cover that had like a whole release, mm-hmm. there would be an extra little like info bar down there with a little, yeah. little bit of
0: information about it. Like it's a like heading, that. Like, a, like something with like a heading two on it.
1: Yeah. And it's just for Mr. Green, um, which is a soft drink manufactured by Sobe. Um, introduced 2002, discontinued 2003. <laughs> um, color is green tinted. Flavor is pepper style carbonated energy soft drink. And related products are Moxie, Dr. Pepper, Pib Extra, and Dr. Wells. Never heard of Dr. Wells? I love me a Moxie
0: though. I'm I'm I don't know if I'm on the record as being someone who likes to drink Dr. Pepper, but I do like Dr. Pepper.
1: See, I, 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 I like um Oh god, what's the There's a really dumb name that uh, Fago uses for their Dr. Pepper.
0: Doctor. Doctor Depper? Um
1: Oh it's just called Dr. Fago. Hell yeah. I love oh, well, it. there we go. That'll do it. Um, <laughs> so we don't always talk about soft drinks on this podcast, even though I wish I could have one right now.
0: Or defunct football leagues, for that matter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or Oddworld Munch's Odyssey, which is the third best of the original – no, the fourth best of the original Oddworld games out of four. I, I couldn't tell you. They're real fun. They're like uh, critiques of capitalism, but they're also video <laughs> games about like like weird little weird little guys –
0: I bet they're um, odd. Like
1: uh, the premise. Uh, do you know the premise of the Oddworld games? No, I might be confusing it with Earthworm Jim. Probably. Um, Earthworm Jim was made by the guy who's a racist now, uh, and does the podcast You're- with uh, Mike from uh, MST3K. You're gonna have to be more specific. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, I feel like Mike from MST3K is pretty straightforward, but there's a guy who does a podcast with him who made Earthworm Jim is apparently like, super conservative now. But more importantly, Oddworld. It's this whole like extended universe, and the basic premise of it is that the main inhabitants of this world are slaves that make like like wingdings, like just like something uh, for these other like uh, alien species, and they literally have like their mouths sewn shut, um, and all they do all day is just work, uh, and they're not allowed to do anything else. In fact, they get killed if they do anything else, and they're specific- they are continually thrown into like threshers and things like that whenever they don't like comply or whether it's useful for the brand. Jeez. And the oh, the first game is about Abe, Abe's uh Odyssey. That's the first game where he like basically cuts open the like stitches on his mouth and he can talk and he can do magic. And it's about you defeating capitalism. It's so real <laughs> good. Um I highly recommend the first game. It's very frustrating, you probably won't like it. But more importantly, I highly recommend um Oddworld Strangers Wrath. I think like that's what it's called um Stranger's something. There is there's a really good twist in it that you will see coming from a million miles away, but it's really enjoyable anyways. And it is called Stranger's Wrath, and that's basically a game about like ecological devastation. They're real
0: fun. Anyways, Derek, movies, movies. This is uh nominally what we do here. Um so, oh, man, <laughs> every time that I have to sort of set up the show and it's like God, we got a lot of these fucking shows left to do before we get to our ultimate goal. We should stop acknowledging that it's going to happen eventually. Well, uh what so what we do here is we do take uh so we've got this bracket. We've got this list of uh, we've got the internet movie uh the internet movie database's top 250 films of all time circa August 2018. We've got them in a bracket with six movies that we've added to make a nice even 256 seed single elimination bracket and our goal here is two at a time pit them against each other until we get to the greatest movie of all time asterisk now
1: um, like the opposite of noah
0: two uh, by the, two and
1: just kick, kicking one off every time
0: i was going to i was going to say the weather people but i think that might just be because of like my job <laughs> oh uh, for sure, i thought you meant the weatherman like. No, not the Weatherman. The, um, National, uh, what's it? The National Oceanographic and Atmospheric something? Anyway, they, they, they monitor the weather for like tornadoes and shit. You ever
1: seen The Weatherman starring Nicolas Cage? No. It's really good. I highly is recommend that, it. Is that a Ridley? Uh, I don't think so. Let's check it out. Uh, Gore Verbinski. Oh, Verbinski. Good old Gore. Um,. The hipster fir- Ridley Scott. <laughs> sure, why not? I mean, um, hey, he he he's made some good flicks. Yeah. That fir- that first pirates film. Quality. That first
0: pi- yeah, that first pirates movie. I like Ranko. That's a good movie.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. But I hear I hear nothing but good things. Um, um and now I'm on the Wikipedia page for the Weather Underground, so I'm going to close that and continue doing the podcast instead. <laughs> All
0: right. So uh, heroes, app- the Weather Underground. Um, the, the the wait a minute, the weather app. The Weather Underground. Yeah, Weather Underground is like like a a weather forecast application, is it not? I don't know, but uh, apparently
1: it is, looking at this Wikipedia page, but no, I'm talking about the terrorist organization. Oh, well, I'm not familiar. (laughs) Oh, wow. Uh, They were, uh, they, what do you call it? They jailbroke Timothy Leary. Um, They Uh also uh, were responsible for a lot of the riots in the, uh, what do you call it? Uh, that got the Chicago 7 arrested. Okay. And- they also uh, par- tried to blow up the Pentagon, uh, which was in retaliation for the U.S. bombing raid in Hanoi, and I support that fully. Uh, it's great stuff. You sh- everyone should blow up the Pentagon, except not – don't credit me, please. Uh, I don't want to get a letter from the government or, I mean, or this, knock on my door.
0: I mean, this is on wax, so uh,
1: – But it's all comedy and parody. We're in the comedy uh, right, parody, section. Parody. Of, hashtag uh, parody. Hashtag parody. Hashtag parody uh that's why you can talk about anything on a podcast and no one can get mad at you i could admit to murdering someone right now and i just feel like oh parody what are we Sati- doing satire parody
0: clause i'm the nostalgia isabel. critic right now isabel what we have 2 matchups to take care fine of. whatever <laughs> uh we have the apartment versus mission impossible fallout and we have kind of incredibly star wars versus jaws and like a kind of like cosmic convergence Um, so we're just going to jump right into our first matchup. And am I to understand that these both were first timers for you?
1: Uh, yes, they were. Uh, I had never seen either. And I was so in the dark about the apartment. I had no fucking clue what the genre was until you told me earlier today.
0: Yes. Uh, not knowing that you didn't want to know that you wanted to go in completely blind. Um, but that still takes some fucking turns. It does take turns. Um. So, tale of the tape for our first matchup. First up, The 108 Seed, The Apartment, released in 1960, directed by Billy Wilder, written by Billy Wilder and IAL Diamond, starring Jack Lemmon, Shirley MacLaine, and Fred McMurray, nominated for 10 Academy Awards, winning 5 Best Picture, Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, Best Art Direction, Black and White, and Best Editing, $3 million budget, $24.6 million, taken 1960 bucks. And um, generally considered one of the great American comedies of the era, which is a sentiment that, not to throw my hand or anything, I happen to agree with. Versus uh, the 149 seed, Mission Impossible: uh, Fallout, released in 2018, so one of the more one of the most recent movies on this bracket. Since I think this must have, we picked the bracket just as this was coming out because I think that was a summer release.
1: Yes, it's uh, yes. uh, one of the uh, like temporal casualties of uh the list because now like they're like that is no longer on the list i believe as well as like the incredibles 2 and stuff like that
0: yeah there's a lot of stuff from like well to just open a little parentheses here during the tale of the tape the there's strong strong recency bias in the imdb top 250 list so yeah there's a lot of these movies that we're covering that are not there anymore but not to tease things that are going to happen in like 2029 or whatever but we're we're going to figure out a way to account for that. Mission: Impossible Fallout released in 2018, written and directed by Christopher McQuarrie, starring Tom Cruise, Henry Cavill, Ving Rhames, Simon Pegg, Rebecca Ferguson, Sean Harris, Vanessa Kirby and a bunch of other people. <laughs> like Yeah. Vanessa Kirby is like 7th on the call sheet. There's still like some pretty heavy hitters that I'm not mentioning in this little portion. Um, $178 million budget, $791 million take at the box office, not an Oscar player, but very well received. Uh, so let's talk about the apartment. Now, I'm very curious as to what you thought of it since you came in. Not only have you not seen this before, uh, I might understand that this is your first do with one Billy Wilder.
1: Sure is. I hear he makes good movies. Uh, I've heard he sure a lot does. of good things about, uh, Billiam Wilder. billiam and one day I will see – oh, no, no. I saw Witness for the Prosecution because we did that. I totally forgot That's that right. Him. I That's apologize. I've right. seen true. two. That didn't come up when I was searching originally. But, hey, that was wrong of me to not
0: look at every single fucking film he's ever made because he made quite a few. So overlooked is Witness for the Prosecution that it just doesn't show up when you search Billy Wilder films.
1: <laughs> no, because it's like, hey, Sunset Boulevard, Some Like It Hot, Double Indemnity, Ace in the Hole, Banger, ex- bang. The Seven Year Rich, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera i'm I'm trying to decide whether I want to like give the game away or just like kind of go through my thought process as I was watching the movie, probably just go through my thought process right
0: yeah, yeah, okay, yeah surprise so
1: me. I started I was kind of like iffy um because the first like half of the film is I don't want to say bog standard, there's definitely some unique things going on there, but it also was kind of like, oh yeah, this is a fine film, this is a fine film of the era, like of the sixties, this is a kind of film that you made a lot of. And probably a lot of people liked. Kind of reminded me of, uh, in a different way, of what's that movie we watched that both of us thought was pretty good, but don't have anything to say about. It's about the woman. All About Eve. Thank you. (laughs) I'm glad you knew what the fuck I was talking about. Um, It reminded me a lot of All About Eve where I was like, yeah, this is fine. Like, I like this, but also I don't see, like, what the hype is about. And also I'm not sure what I'm going to say about it because it seems pretty, you know, straightforward. And then it hits a thing that happens in the middle. Um, Spoilers for The Apartment. And I'm going to say right away, if you want to watch The Apartment and you don't know what I'm about to say, you should go and watch it.
0: Yeah. Spoilers for
1: a 60-year-old film, by the way. I mean, hey, I didn't know shit about it. It was very surprising to me. Uh, The the two leads are Jack Lemmon and Shirley MacLaine. Both awesome. uh, Both delightful. And Shirley MacLaine... Attempts to commit suicide halfway through the film. In sure what was does. previously to that, a relatively light comedy, little bit of drama. And it takes a hard left
0: fucking turn into the dramatic yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's a comedy of manners that kind of evolves into something a little darker.
1: Yeah, which I was not expecting at all. It was very, like, as soon as I saw her look at the sleeping pills, I was like, wait, that's not going to happen. This isn't that kind of movie. So what's going to happen? And then he gets home and I was like, oh, that just happened. okay. What's, now I don't know where – now I have no idea what the movie is going to do next. It felt like very surprising and destabilizing in a way that I really, really enjoyed. And the rest of the movie from there, it just gets better and better and better. Um, <laughs> and by the end of it, I fucking love this movie, Derek. It is so good. It's,
0: it's so I'm fucking very, good. I'm very, very, very heartened to hear that because I think this is a fucking masterpiece.
1: <laughs> I agree. I gave it a f- the full five stars in Letterboxd.
0: Um, uh, I didn't even – well, I well, I didn't check, but I'm assuming that you like waited, so I wouldn't see.
1: No, I don't care about that. That's what you do. Okay. Um, Listen,
0: <laughs> well, sorry if I try to play shit closer to chess a little bit for dramatic effect.
1: <laughs> hey, folks, if you ever want to know what my opinions are going to be beforehand, just look at my Letterbox diary, and it'll tell you usually because I watched them beforehand, although I just finished watching The Apartment. So so so, so the thing I love so much about that change in tone uh, – because it, it does get funny again – like, it doesn't mm-hmm. just stay in that dramatic thing. But before that, a lot of the comedy is about disconnection, about things that aren't being understood across people. Like, it's not entirely – like, there's miscommunications going on, and there's uh, missed encounters going on. And that's kind of what the joke is for a lot of it. And also the fact that, like, Jack Lemmon's just a schmuck. He's a uh, schmuck. He's a he's schmuck. A, he's, a, he's a nebbish. Yes, he's he's, he's great. Um, but he's also, you know, he's – he doesn't it's have – very funny. A, Yes, very funny. He's not always the sharpest uh, tack in the drawer.
0: That's not how that goes. Uh, sure.
1: Either way. But then, like, you, when want, you, get that halfway <laughs> you want your tack hammer sharp? <laughs> uh, once you get that halfway point, A, the dramatic stuff works incredibly well, in my opinion. Like, it really drew me in way more than it was previously, where I was like, oh shit, like, this is way more serious than I thought it was. There's a lot going on, and now I feel like I've been let in to this other character. Uh, way more than I was previously. And I know this a little bit more about her because of like the suicide attempt. And then the the moment that sold me was there's a part where she says something along the lines of like, well, you don't understand. And then he's like, no, yeah, I do understand. And he tells about his suicide attempt. And he does it not just in this solemn, sober way. He does it while joking. during it kind him, of jokes through it, yeah. While pointing out how kind of silly it was. And, like, all the things that went wrong with it that he should have planned for, like, all the things that were just kind of absurd now that he looks back on it. And as someone who has attempted suicide, ding, 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 that's me. um, (laughs) I mean, I didn't mean to laugh. but uh, No, because it is kind of funny, but a lot of people don't understand that because, like, they haven't been through that. And if you bring it up and play company, which I don't do because, like, I realize that. If you try to make a joke about the fact that you, have, like, that you are a suicidal person and are a suicide risk and have attempted it before,
0: that is not a funny thing for most people. Well, also, it must be pointed out that I am phenomenally rude. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> but, the, but when you meet other people who have gone through those things, you will get that moment where you're like, oh, we both have had this experience, so now we can joke about it. So now there's like a kind of humor because we didn't die. Because yeah. yeah, we're not like where we were before. Like we've moved on from that point. Even if like, we still have those feelings sometimes we're not at that point that we were before. So now there's like a, we can joke at the absurdity of it. And that's the connection moment that they have is they both realize, Oh, we know each other better than anyone else knows us. Cause especially like when, um, that's happening, the only people that even know she attempted suicide are Jack Lemmon and his neighbor who lives next door and is a doctor who helps yes, like, uh, save her.
0: Dr. David Dreyfus, played by Jack Crucian, who I think might be the secret MVP of this movie. He's wonderful. And in large part because of that scene where he's like sort of looking Shirley MacLaine over. Yeah. Um, I think uh, there's the because uh, uh, this... Uh, go ahead. I, I was going to
1: say, like, just to finish up my thought, like and from that point, like it changes the tone of it, not just because of the seriousness of what happened, but also because suddenly the comedy is no longer misconnections and misunderstandings and things like that. The comedy is these two people who understand each other and understand each other even more than they think they do. And it's them discovering that and learning that and learning about themselves through knowledge of another person. And it leads up to a like perfect romantic ending that is yeah. like
0: like in the goat endings.
1: It made me think of Before Sunset where I was like, "Oh yeah, this is like how a movie should end. It's just like, boom, you did it. You had that perfect last line. We are all set. We don't need to do anything else." And and nothing nothing else needs to be said. Yes. It is it's fucking delightful. I loved the apartment. I'm definitely going to watch it again. I'm going to probably buy a Blu-ray of it so I can
0: watch it more. Um this was my second go around with The Apartment and um what struck me this time more than uh i i just have to say i have to point out because okay i'm going to completely derail this for two seconds usually Mm -hmm. this is your job but i'm gonna i'm gonna do it this time (laughs) i have to point out that right now as we're recording there is a big gorgeous sun outside and it is three in the afternoon and i feel like my approach and my voice is completely different i don't have the same energy at all i'm not Speaking as loudly, I sound like I'm on the news inside my own head. So it's not just you folks. The energy and the aura is different because we're recording during the day and it's a Sunday. And uh, yeah, so I just I just thought I'd point, point that out.
1: And It's nine in the afternoon, as you just said. What's that? We're going to skip past it. It was a panic at the <laughs> disco joke.
0: Oh, come on.
1: Yeah, it was low hanging fruit, but you know, I, I mean, it, I,
0: it looked grody as it, hell,
1: but I still decided to eat it.
0: Well, it was fruit that I didn't recognize as fruit because I didn't know what the hell you were saying. I was,
1: I was tantalus, and for a moment, there was finally a fruit that I could reach. It didn't matter how disgusting <laughs> it was, I was going to grab that fruit.
0: It's amazing that you held it long enough that your fingers didn't just go straight through it. <laughs> so, the apartment. This is my second go-around, and what struck me this time around more than anything else was how, how ahead of the curve it felt in terms of tone and how oh, yeah. kind of how kind of sophisticated and how urbane it felt like this is a film that was made in 1960 and you could not change like a hair on it and it could have come out this past decade yeah as far as like the tonal juggling goes Maybe even, even like with a lot of the politics i'll be honest um i would ask uh, you can uh, uh you can elucidate on that if you like okay
1: i'll let you finish your idea first though
0: okay um but yeah, so the uh I mean the performances are kind of old hollywoodish. Shirley MacLaine's performance especially feels modern in uh in that way and there's this contrast between the three main performances of you've got Jack Lemmon who's essentially playing the Nebish character but giving it a kind of edge and charm that is usually absent from it. There's Shirley MacLaine, who has this sort of very sort of modern performance in terms of tone. And you've got Frederick Murray, who not only sort of ties, uh, anchors the movie in a kind of older Hollywood, it literally ties him back to old parts of Billy Wilder's filmography because he was also in Double Indemnity. And that triad, that like sort of those three performances bouncing off of each other, and also, as with Witnesses for the Prosecution... Billy Wilder is just a fantastic user of space. Yes, yes. You've got the – The space of the the apartment apartment. is so well done. It's really good. And he's really good at just the cavernous office as well and how chaotic it can get. Yeah, And I don't think that can be overstated. But I am interested to hear what you think about sort of the political bent of this film. I think there's two main
1: ways that it does super, super well. Uh, Number one is that it is a movie from 1960 – that takes sexual harassment seriously, <laughs> which sure, of course. was not really a thing in the 60s. Like, this was still a place where, you know, a time where it was not considered unusual for, like, a boss to, like, A, hit on their secretary, B, fuck their secretary, C, just hit random women in the ass that work in the, like, you know, the... the I've seen place. 0.5 episodes of Mad Men. Yes. Um, and, like like, the things that really make you fucking hate Fred McMurray Mm -hmm. aren't even really what he does to Jack Lemon like he's shitty to Jack Lemon but the things that make her fucking hate him are the way he treats Shirley McLean. he treats Shirley McLean, yeah because it's I I mean I don't have to tell you Derek but it's completely fucking unacceptable how he treats her but uh, I think like at the time and even now like there's a lot of people who would push back and be like oh she was like you know being dramatic or overreacting like X Y and Z obviously this married man is not gonna leave his wife for you all that kind of stuff um, and I just, I loved how Shirley MacLaine played that, and she did feel, she was someone for her the entire movie. She was seeking someone out, but I wasn't worried that if she didn't have someone, that she would be lost forever. Like, right. she feels like someone who would be able to get by without, um, a man in her life. Sure. So it's that, and the fact that, like, his neighbors all, like, Jack Lemmon's neighbors think that he's a playboy because the whole premise <laughs> is that, which is a, a very funny recurring joke, and b, uh, the whole premise of the movie is that like Billy, not Billy Waller, geez Louise, uh, Jack Lemmon is letting people kind of rent out, not even rent out, use his apartment to fuck their like mistresses in, so that he can mm-hmm. climb the corporate rat, c- climb the corporate ladder. Yeah. Um. So his uh neighbors all think he is just fucking every single night.
0: That he's just slanging it left and right.
1: Yeah. He's got that pipe. He's laying it every night. And, That's right. And loudly. And I think it's significant that they look down on him for that and are like, dude, come on. What are you doing? Like, you Bro, come on. You have this girl in your apartment who needs help and you are just being this way. Obviously, they don't know the real context of it, but right. But that links in with the other part of it, which is this is a a very forward-looking, I think, examination of how the pursuit of capital and the pursuit of money which is obviously like that that's an age old trope the pursuit of money corrupts you whatever right. but the thing that this one does that's really unique is the the self-degradation it asks of jack lemon mm-hmm. uh and the fact that he never gets ahead by like doing something wrong or by like fucking someone over he gets ahead by just being a toady to the people who are already in power right and to a certain degree like you almost understand why he'd do it because that first shot you get at the office is so cavernous. There's so many fucking people there. And it's just this, you know, it's kind of like a, I think Playtime is a movie that has like that really famous shot of just that giant yep. fucking office. Um, and it's almost like that where there's so many people and they're just in their little desks. There's not even fucking cubicles. It's just like waves and like you know, an entire field of people. There's no way he moves up without doing something. Because it's not merit-based, as we see over and over no. again. None of this is based on anything to do with how good you are at your job. It's entirely based on whether the people above you like you enough to bring you up from the bottom. And hey, guess what? That's how capitalism works. Is Yeah, on- it,
0: it is a tidy little sort of uh, metaphor for uh, career advancement in the capitalist system.
1: Yeah. And that, and that's why you can almost like sympathize with him making these choices because like they suck to watch happen. But at the same time you're like there's no other like he doesn't have another option if he does want to like live a better life. And his apartment is very nice for the time. Um, but he yeah, makes Yeah, I, w- I would live there in a, in a heartbeat. Hell yeah. Um, he makes about as much as I like I did the inflation calculator thing. He makes mm-hmm. about as much as I make now. Which is Guess what, folks? Not a lot of money. Not that much. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, I thought that was like a really wonderful depiction of that self-degradation that advancement requires when you start out in a lower class. Whereas if you're already yeah. higher class, you can be the one who's degrading others and shitting on them.
0: Yeah, because because he, he's got a nice place, but also a lot of it is broke down, homeboy. Like strains his spaghetti with a tennis racket, you know, <laughs> in a very good scene, which is very cute, a scene. very wonderful scene uh him just sick at his desk trying to like just trying to work is like like a, a, a little a, a little comic set piece that i liked a lot yeah same
1: um, um no this yeah, movie I, I, re- I just really loved how it approached those things and they, they feel like like the exact same issues you'd see now like that's how i mean that's um what do you call it animation of <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's something we talk about all the time. So I don't always like necessarily want to use the same words all the time. Like, hey, capitalist realism turns out, and this wasn't <laughs> even after the hard turn to neoliberalism that took place in Reagan times. This was still before yeah, this that. It was a good deal before that. Theoretically, there was still a social safety net and you got paid, paid somewhat fair wages for your work, even though, hey, you know, we, we don't need to go over the labor theory of value in here, but no, but, <laughs> but the point is. That the apartments, like, every aspect of it is just kind of perfect. I didn't have a single, like, by the time I finished the film, I was like, yes, every single part is of it no? I liked. Yeah, is there something wrong with this? No. Cool. No. Five stars. <laughs> Great fucking work all around. Good job, Billy Wilder. You made a good movie.
0: <laughs> Not that you need my validation, but. But um, a movie that is, let's um, uh, let's let's say good in a different way, good in different ways, is a Mission Impossible Fallout. Um it is, I believe, the sixth of the Mission Impossible movies. I I have no uh, it,
1: they, I hate how they title them just like words because I can never remember like what they actually stand for.
0: You know what? I should have probably looked this. Looked it this is number. It is number six because the next okay, one is cool. supposed to come out as number seven. Okay, this is uh, this is the most recent entry in the franchise, and this is <laughs> this might be the opposite of the apartment in every conceivable way. Because it's got, a, it's a giant budget, it's a, it's a, it's a spectacle movie, it's about spycraft, um, the, the politics are gummy, if yeah. you want to get into it. Um, it features, um, it doesn't, it, it features 0.5 real human relationships. <laughs> I mean, I kind of, I'm, I, I, I kind of am powerless against the Tom Cruise, Michelle Monaghan stuff in this movie. Yeah, but I, that's I, not, that's not, a, that's not a real relationship. That's a testament that's to, like, to Michelle Monaghan, I think. That's Michelle Monaghan might be one of the great underused actresses. And the, the the shitty thing is, the thing I know her the most for is this and John Wick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Constantine. Hey, don't forget that. I didn't see Constantine. Constantine is a movie I will call good, and I'm not sure I'm correct. Even though I like it quite a bit.
0: Um, so, so, I mean, Mission Impossible, the the Mission Impossible movies are, or for a while, they were director showcases, they're stunt showcases, they're just, they're basically cinematic Rube Goldberg machines. There's fights, there's stunts, there's gadgets, there's subterfuge, there's subterfuge, they're American James Bond movies, basically. And this is a good one. I had a blast watching this i'm sure i would have had a much bigger blast watching this in a big-ass fucking theater the same i thought the same thing as i was watching it in the dead of summer in 2018 but on my you know big-ish television it was pretty good um this this movie um this movie basically uh is a showcase to for tom cruise to prove to us that he's immortal yes uh that he has no um that he has a death drive <laughs> or a, not a not a death wish but a death drive yes it's got it's got zingers from simon Pegg, it's got you know it's got cool shit it's got fucking henry cavill cocking his arms like rifles it's great <laughs> um i mean i quite like it but it's up against the apartment but we can talk we can talk about this in a bit more detail so this is a Mission Impossible movie. There's some shit going down, and Ethan Hunt must stop it. Yep, yep. <laughs> I mean, I mean
1: this getting, is getting like, much more into it, like it gets so fucking convoluted, it'd be really difficult to like actually succinctly explain what happens. But also, it kind of doesn't matter what happens.
0: No, the It's like now of you of see movie, me do or now you see me too. <laughs> which should have been called now you don't. Yes. The things that make this movie great are the same things that would make pretty much any other movie bad. There's no like every, everything all the dialogue is expository, the performances are okay mostly. They're not they're not inhabiting human characters. They're inhabiting muscles and subterfuge and sort of um uh hidden motivations. Um uh they're they're basically wheat for the mill. Their bodies thrown into these Rube Goldberg machines, and we just we just watch the pinballs go on the table. Yeah. Sometimes they fight, sometimes they run, sometimes they fly helicopters into other helicopters. It is <laughs> superlative spectacle. I agree, Derek. <laughs> but
1: do you have anything else to add? I mean I'll say it's no Jack Reacher. <laughs> like if you were to I sit mean, me down and be like, hey. Which would you rather watch right now? Would you rather watch Mission Impossible Fallout or Jack Reacher? I'd say Jack Reacher literally 100% of the time. I think Jack Reacher is the kind of movie that you don't realize how good it is until you catch it one day on cable TV and you're like, holy shit, what the fuck is this movie? I'm like loving every single part of this. There's no there's no bad parts of this whole movie. That's another Chris McQuarrie joint. It sure is. It was, I think, like the, kind of his calling card that got him, am I correct, the calling card that got him in the Mission Impossible movies or did he make Rogue Nation before that?
0: No, I think the way it happens is that he works with Cruz on Jack Reacher and then gets the gig.
1: Yeah, which 100% makes sense when you watch Jack Reacher. I think it's a delightful, scrappy little film that's got Werner Herzog as a bad guy in it. Is this the only chance we're going to get to talk about Tom Cruise? I'm like looking through the list right now. I think it might be. Tom Cruise. I feel like there should be more movies, but like, I feel like Tom Cruise is. One of the obviously one of the biggest stars in, stars in history, one of the biggest movie stars in history, who does not have a lot of iconic films to his
0: name. Like if you're if you're if we you were to do the Family Feud thing of like name a performance that na- name a movie that Tom Cruise delivers a fucking awesome performance in, I mean, it'd be like Magnolia, Magnolia, Vanilla Sky? Question mark.
1: I haven't seen Vanilla Sky, so I, it's um, pretty good. I I think he's Top really good Gun? in it. He uh, doesn't really give a good performance in that. He's, he's in it, but I wouldn't say he gives a Days good performance. Days of
0: Thunder, question mark?
1: Um, Oblivion? I,
0: uh, collateral, collateral. Collateral, of course. Yes. Jeez. collateral. He's a superlative movie star, but he's an okay actor. Yes. I mean, he it's one of those fascinating
1: ha- things where like he he's a completely unnatural person. He's probably really good in Color of Money, which is a movie I've not seen. Neither have I. I, I should see it sometime because, hey, I love me, I love me a Paul Newman. Old Marty. Yeah. Um, Gotta love it. So, like, Cruz has this presence that doesn't require to have anything behind the eyes. Like, as was so famously said by, like, Christian Bale when he was describing the fact that, like, Tom Cruise was his basis for Patrick Bateman, is that he's this person that you look at him and there's just nothing going on. Like, he just a blank slate that does not I appear... I am a blank canvas. Yeah, does not appear to... Even be a person. He just exists. Which is fascinating because he's also, whenever he's on screen, you're like, I love this guy. He's so good. I love him. He's wonderful. Um, also, people are going to be mad if we don't say uh, Eyes Wide Shut, which I have not oh, seen. Oh, yes, of course. It's the, I think it's, good a, movie. it's the only one of his I haven't seen. but uh, Of Kubrick's? Yes, exactly. Great movie. I've, I've heard wonderful things That's about good it. Good movie? Pretty good movie.
0: Okay. I, I've, I know I know a lot J- of people I know who J- be bad for it. JB loves that movie.
1: Yeah, which makes sense. It seems like a very wan movie.
0: Did JB ever tell you the story about how they saw that movie for the first time in a hotel room in Orlando when they were like 10? No, that's probably
1: a good story, though. (laughs) Uh, Ask him about it. Okay, I will definitely ask uh, next time we record. Um, But yeah, so so, 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 uh, Tom Cruise, this complete blank slate, this complete non-entity that somehow has this giant presence.
0: His iconic role is Tom Cruise.
1: Yes. Like, he never is a character. He's always just Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Evil man. We should just say right off the bat, evil guy. uh,
0: Scientology, not good,
1: bad. Like, the most vocal proponent of Scientology, um, and has multiple times had, like, Sea Org, I know, help him with stuff. And I think he, like, has Sea Org servants, basically, from what I understood.
0: Sea Org servants, oh boy. Yeah,
1: like, and he uses them as a source of free labor, which... If you don't know how bad Sea like Org is,
0: you should look into Sea Org
1: and get ready to be fucking bummed out, and also angry. I'm good. I'm good with Tom Cruise never having an Oscar because of his Scientology bullshit. Exactly. I completely agree, and also his the shit he said about like psychiatry that also came from that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um. But besides that. Yeah. Like even even if Tom Cruise were like. Uh, 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 like a paragon of virtue. I don't think I don't think that makes it so Mission Impossible Fallout can best its opponent in this particular match. Certainly not. But it kind of depends on what you're looking for in a movie. These kind of operate on two different
1: levels. If we were coming up against Oblivion instead, I don't think Oblivion's a better movie than The Apartments. But I think Oblivion is a fucking fascinating film that I want to talk to everyone about in the whole world forever
0: I mean you like those kinds of movies specifically like these sort of (laughs) it's a science fiction movie
1: about like the how we can transport the self to other beings and whether the self is the physical body or the memories you have or your consciousness or anything like that it's delightful and it's also got some stuff blowing up that's real fun
0: yeah, you're 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 kind of like a, a homer for those sort of metaphysical science fiction films, which I think is also why you're such a large proponent of the film Serenity.
1: Wait, do you mean Slores? Oh no no, I no, meant no, no. Serenity. Serenity, yes, 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 yes. The the masterpiece. The Matthew McConaughey the Matthew McConaughey film. That is an expl- explication of Leibniz's idea of free will. If you want to it's hear okay. me talk about that, you should pay me money to write it, the essay up, because I thought about it for a while, <laughs> but then I don't do it because I'm lazy. <laughs> Because then I, I have to like, like reread like like Liebnis, and like I like him but like not that much. I got other shit to read,
0: especially since because I this is like him. this is like a patented Isabel hot take. You realize?
1: Yeah, like this is one of my signature hot takes, and then I think Serenity is genuinely kind of a masterpiece. We're not talking about the the Firefly sequel, by the way.
0: No, this is the uh, the, the the Matthew McConaughey
1: joint that came out a couple years ago. Yeah, which was considered horrible when it came out.
0: Everyone is wrong. It's a fucking it got, delight. Cl- it, got, it got clowned on. It got laughed. I think people are just allergic to, like, big swing twists. Like, I don't like that movie for other reasons, <laughs> but it's, like, it's a classic case of I'm engaging in the thing, like, I'm engaging in the thing that I'm trying to talk about and thus is not quite, like, good. Like, I just watched Existence and it suffers from the same thing.
1: I, I I fucking love existence. So, yeah, Okay, yeah. there we are. That'll do it. Um, it's got a lot, so, a lot of uh, fleshy
0: sex going on. Um, sure does. But our friend, our friend Chris Miller called it. Uh, called it. That's a. That's a. That's a butt sex movie. Oh, Oh, one
1: hundred percent. But uh, that's a long way of saying. Sorry, Mission Impossible. You yeah, are going to get sh- the- shuttled off to the side.
0: Yeah, one of my favorite reviews of uh, of Mission Impossible: Fallout was from David Sims of the Atlantic, who just said, "I laughed like a goddamn king," <laughs> which is kind of get kind of cuts to the core of why this movie rules. It's just a blast. But the apartment is like a blast plus.
1: See, fun fact: that's kind of how I feel about uh, the Now You See Me movies. <laughs> they're just a blast. They're a blast. Like they're dumb as fuck. Um, I I don't think they're I, I do think they're good because they're very enjoyable. They have a lot of fun plot stuff. They have a lot of like cool, like tricky scenes going on. There's a lot of magic tricks going on. Even though by the second movie, it's just literal magic and not so much like sleight of hand. Oh, there is a really fun scene in the second movie where they need to get a microchip. So they put a microchip on like a playing card and toss it around a room to each other so that they, the people never see them actually like leave with the microchip. It's a fucking
0: <sighs> wonderful scene. Um, That's a Louis Leterrier film. <laughs> Got so so um so Louis Leterrier is a French director known for mostly sort of action bullshit. And mm-hmm. how's about this for a hot couch guy filmography? Wait,
1: hold on. Real quick, just just to be clear, the second movie is John M. Chu, who I think is the best mainstream filmmaker working in Hollywood. Anyways, continue.
0: Louis Leterrier, director of the first Now You See Me film. How's about this for a hot couch guy uh filmography? Uh unleashed starring jet lee and, uh, the and uh bob hoskins transporter 2 also dope as fuck the uh the ed norton incredible hulk kind of dope as fuck i prefer the angley one though the clash of the titans remake pretty enjoyable now you see me hell yeah grimsby with sasha baron cohen <laughs> i can't say anyone on earth ever saw grimsby uh and uh, an upcoming uh, and an upcoming uh an upcoming french action comedy starring middlebrow madness hall of famer omar sy Hell yeah that has yet to that has yet to be re- so i think he might be sort of like the jack morris of the uh of the middlebrow Brow middlebrow ma- uh, middle madness hall of fame <laughs> sure i i totally agree with that
1: i did also want to clarify real quick i said a very like hyperbolic thing that I agree with, but I want to be clear at what I mean by it. When I say John M. Chu is like the best mainstream filmmaker working in like Hollywood right now, what I mean by mainstream film is specifically like just popcorn like disposable junk. shit. Just junk. Like here's here's part of the filmography. We got Step Up to the Streets, Step Up 3D, Justin Bieber Never Say Never, G.I. Joe Retaliation, Gem in the Holograms, Now You See Me Too, Crazy Rich Asians, and In the Heights. I haven't seen it in the heights. I probably will hate it because I do not like how Lin Manuel Miranda raps and his whole, like, his whole thing. He's not a stick. fan of it. The rest of those are fucking delightful. I am a known stand for Gem in the Holograms. I think it's like literally one of the best movies of 2015. And Now You See Me 2. Uh, the, o- the only thing I'll say bad about Now You See Me 2 is it doesn't have Isla Fisher, who I also adore, but it does have Lizzie Kaplan instead, who is also wonderful. Like what a, what a good trade. Lizzie Kaplan. Anyways,
0: I'm trying to I'm trying to think of someone who would like be who would who would be like in that sort of bracket. And the only person I can think of is like Stephen Summers or like Chuck Russell or something. But they're they haven't directed movies in ages. So, yeah. Instead, you just got the king, John M. Chu. Uh, I'd be interested. I'd be interested to like sort of see like a long list of who's like coming for that crown. But <laughs> like you said, The Apartment, congratulations, you're moving on. And I think you might have your work cut out for you, considering who is up next in this matchup. What is, 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 like,
1: what kismet
0: for these two films to meet right here? Yeah, this is kind of perfect. So, because for some reason, one of these is rated way lower than I thought it would have been. In any case, our second matchup. First off, the 21 seed. Am am I reading this correctly? Star Wars?
1: Uh, I think I heard about that. It's like uh, – they just came out with a couple of them a couple years ago. That's right. one of those,
0: right? Uh, yes, it is. Released in 1977, written and directed by George Lucas star- – I feel like such an idiot saying this. <laughs> starring starring Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, Peter Cushing, and Alec Guinness. Uh, it went six for ten at the Academy Awards in 1978 uh winning uh basically just sweeping the technical categories so costumes, score, editing, art direction, sound, and visual effects, plus a special achievement Oscar for Brent Burt, who was responsible for many of the sound effects used, including the uh iconic lightsaber noise. Fuck yeah. Uh and here's here's the thing that made my that made my heart sink to where my balls are. <laughs> this movie cost eleven million dollars to make can you imagine? <laughs> Can you imagine a fucking Star Wars movie made for eleven million dollars? <laughs> anyway, it made seven hundred and seventy-five point eight million dollars domestic. It's one. It's it's a cultural jug... What the fuck do you want me to say about Star Wars <laughs> for real? Versus the two hundred thirty-six seed in our bracket. Uh, is this Jaws? Yeah, Jaws. Yeah, with uh, Michael 19- Caine, right? That's right. <laughs> Released in 1975, directed by Steven Spielberg, written by um, ugh, Peter Benchley and Carl Gottlieb, based on the book Jaws by Peter uh, Peter Benchley, starring Roy Scheider, Robert Shaw, and Richard Dreyfuss, three for four at the Academy Awards, uh, winning editing, score, and sound, losing Best Picture, somehow Steven Spielberg not nominated for Best Director, which is one of the great Oscar biffs of all time. <laughs>
1: I did, I did want to say, uh, um, I just looked it up, with inflation, uh, the actual, like, the today budget of Star Wars would be $27 million. Still. To be fair, uh, and that's th- like the, bu-
0: d- the budget that's for like The Force still. Awakens was $306 million. That's ludicrous. Anyway, uh, uh, Jaws costs $9 million to make. Think so of the all the people you could bracket. feed with the budget of a Star Wars. Like... So, here's the, well, right off the bat, imagine this. Star Wars and Jaws cost roughly the same amount of money to make. Yeah, Star Wars <laughs> and Jaws. And they're both, like, let's, they're both B movies. I mean that lovingly,
1: like, so lovingly. It's my favorite part about both of them.
0: They both have a strong debt to like sort of like sort of like shitty serials and like exploitation yeah, movies yeah, basically. Exploitation movies, and oh, we'll get to it. Uh, this movie cost nine million dollars in nineteen seventy-five bucks, made four hundred and seventy-two, and is widely considered one of the great American movies and the first real true blue blockbuster. Yeah.
1: I mean, it was really like that in Star Wars that started the summer blockbuster and killed New Hollywood. So. <sighs> Like, these are the two films a- of the 70s that put us where we are
0: now, essentially. Yes. Um. So, remember when we talked about The Godfather and we're like, what the fuck are we going to say about The Godfather? Now we've got this for both movies. Oh, I have things to say these about these. F- Don't worry. Oh, okay. So, all right. So, let's talk about- Let's talk about <laughs> like Star such Wars. A- I feel like such a putz. <laughs> let's talk about... Star Wars. This is before it was called The New Hope. This is before the prequels, before this new batch, before the ancillary canon, the animated. TV no, that's shows. a tremendous movie. The ancillary canon. You said the new batch. Oh, the new batch. Okay, sure, of course. Um, <laughs> I'm let's embarrassed go back by to a that. Time one. When... Thanks, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> let's go back to a time where there was just Star Wars. Now, I don't know i I've definitely talked about this with uh with uh with Isabel like off mic. I came to Star Wars very late in that like it was in my late twenties where I saw Star Wars for the first time the only other Star wars film I've ever seen is Empire like the Empire Strikes Back I've seen two of the nine Canon movies and none of the others fucking bonkers to me and there's a lot of stuff I haven't seen in case you haven't been listening yes but like star I'm going to let you finish,
1: uh, not to be Kanye, kind of, I'm going to let you finish, but mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> it's not that I think it's bad that you haven't seen Star Wars before, or like you hadn't seen it for a while, and it's sure. not that like, I'm, I think that's like super like, oh, you missed out on an par- important part of your childhood or anything like that, it's that that is just such a foreign experience to me, I cannot imagine mm-hmm. not having Star Wars growing up, it's like so, such a part of my life, and it's not even like I watch the movies that much, like, I have, the, I still have my original VHS right. tapes, but, like, it wasn't just the movies. It was the movies. It was the novels. It was the video games, most of which are real fucking good, um, some of which I played, like, I think I played KOTOR, like, 10 times through, and that's, like, a 50-hour game. Uh, these are This is, like, such a part of my consciousness. I saw all of the prequels in theaters. Um, the idea of not having that growing up is incredible to me. But continue. Sorry.
0: I mean, but here's the thing. So strong was its cultural penetration as I was familiar with it. Like, I knew. Yes. Like, I knew second and third and fourth hand about basically what it was. I just never sat down and watched them. In part, I think, because there was a very strong case to be made that I didn't really have to. So strong was its cultural penetration. Like, I knew, what a, I knew what, a, uh, what a Luke Skywalker was, and I knew what a lightsaber was, and I knew what a Darth Vader was, just because – Everyone else did. And the people who made the stuff that I did watch when I was like sort of a, a, a like a, like a teenager, like a young teenager and a teenager, like the Simpsons and like South Park and whatever the hell it is, they all love that shit. So it filtered in. So I always got, I always got the Star Wars things like second and third hand. And then I sat down and watched it when I was like 28 years old or whatever. And it's like, I knew everything. Here, I just had never seen it sort of by itself. So, going into this, I really tried, I tried to do the sort of David Bordwell thing of like, try tried to, tried to watch this as if you had no idea what the fuck it was. Like, this is an impossible mental exercise, but try. So, I popped, so for this, I do have to point out that I watched the, uh, what's known as the, the specialized cut, which is for this,
1: the, the work of just, a. a- a fucking demigod and one yeah, of the best people like in the tr- world. I, I appreciate them so like, much for what, all the work they put into that. It's
0: like a Czech, a Czech dude named named Hamdi or something like yeah. that, who basically has coordinated a bunch of other fucking nerds to get to give to us. Uh, since this is a derivative work, it can be sold, but it is available. Just ask your just ask your friend Yevgeny if you know what I'm talking about, <laughs> and uh, you'll find uh, you'll find it. It's got a Wikipedia page and everything, yeah. so this is as close to like the theatrical experience as I'm going to. Essentially, get. it, is, and a lot it of... is
1: the original theatrical experience sourced from the most high quality Everywhere. versions they could get of every single scene, without
0: any of the special edition bullshit in it. It looks pretty janky, but that's part of its charm. We'll get to that. But so I tried to go into this as 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 fresh as uh, as fresh as a new snow, and so I put on. I put on the movie. The first thing I see is like the fanfare. And then it's a long, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And then like a fist to my face, the logo and that iconic score. And I'm like, if this is the first thing I saw about this and I was like eight years old in 1977, I'd be so fucking pumped for this because it's exciting. It is, it is star Wars. The, the, the film is cinematic like rock candy. It is a haphazard patchwork of cliches and images and stories that is just a rip-roaring good time. And not a one-time during my viewing that I think, oh, this is going to sort of mutate into a culture-swallowing, multi-billion-dollar cultural (laughs) juggernaut. It doesn't feel like it. It feels like... A movie that cost $11 million to make. It felt like someone's third movie.
1: It feels like it's taped together.
0: like, like a, yeah, it feels barely like it's held together. Up. Yeah. Yeah, and you can see the seams. I love it when you can see the seams. And especially, I love it when you can see the seams when it's something that's been sort of uh, basically canonized. And canonized and not in the way that I saw it.
1: Yes, Something I think is so fascinating about watching it because I tried to do that same exercise. Like, okay, what if I had never seen this film before? Like, how how would I feel about this? And it kind of did the opposite. Where I was constantly amazed that like, there's a lot of shit in this that isn't in the other movies. There's a lot of like tonal things and like ways things are phrased and the general vibe of it that is so different from what we've come to think of as Star Wars, like the franchise. And those were some of my favorite, most enjoyable hearts to see it. Like. I love people calling Jedi's wizards and sorcerers. I think it fucking <laughs> rules. I think people should do it more often because it's the kind of thing of like like in the Star Wars universe but They are space wizards. Yes. And like the a big part of like the Star Wars universe is like everyone knows what a Jedi is. And they used to be like in this whole council co- council and then they all got killed because of that order. Order 69 or whatever. And it's actually nice. order 66 because George Lucas doesn't know what subtlety is. And wow. Uh, like, like they are these, like, immaculate beings that are, like, this perfect thing as, like, a cultural object. Like, we know what a Jedi is. But in Star Wars, like, A New Hope, it is such a different thing. Because instead of being that, they're, like, these scattered little bits of, uh, like, what what is the phrase that the one person used before he gets choked? Like, your dead religion?
0: Yeah, they're, like, they're mystics. They're monks. Yeah.
1: And that's such a fascinating approach to it. The fact that they're... They are such a different thing from what we would come to know them as. And I think that thing is very unique. And maybe just because it's different from the Star Wars I, I so familiarly look at, it feels super cool. I mean, it's one of the reasons I actually really it, like um, KOTOR, is that it's set really, really long time ago. And you meet a bunch of Jedi who – and you were a Jedi who, when you train, um, you, you go to, like, fucking weird places – you visit like caves that Jedi used to train in and things like that. It's not just these like perfect buildings and it's not just learning on a spaceship, even. It is instead of being a formal system, it is this kind of ragtag bunch of religious mystics, more or less. And I think that's such a, ne- a neat and wonderful approach.
0: Star Wars is closer to a fucking Shaw Brothers movie than it is to whatever the hell Marvel movie is going to come out. Yes, and that rules. <laughs>
1: And it's also that things have like such a physical presence. I watched the special edition because I've never seen them before, and I wanted to hurt myself with movies. So mm-hmm. I watched the special edition, which is dog shit. The practical shit. The, the practical, practical shit, looks shit so is good phenomenal. In this.
0: It's phenomenal.
1: And it's funny, like the, I, I said this to you in the chat. Uh, I'm going to complain about the special edition just for a second. It's so, it's such a like a worn over thing. I'm not going to do it for very long. But I just want to say the thing that annoyed me the most is that besides the fact they look shitty and the animations are terrible and they don't fit into the scenes they're supposed to be in. They look blurry. Like the CGI looks blurry. Like, the rest of it is like nice film grain and it all looks crisp and it's like it's like grody kind of. Like it's clearly like not the best film stock they could get. But it's also like it's it's clear. Whereas like the fuck why would you want to fuck with the miniature work? In I have this? no idea why. It's ridiculous. But the thing it made me think about is like the modern Star Wars movies, like even though they say like, hey, we did all these practical effects. You can't tell half the time, like most of the time. And CGI has gotten good enough, quote unquote, that especially if it's like a model of something, it can it can be hard to tell on occasion. Um, if it's people still moving, that's not, that's a little off. But there's parts where it kind of blurs together, and you can do anything with CGI, which is also why it's kind of boring sometimes. Obviously, it's also incredibly like beautiful other times. So I'm not shitting on CGI as a concept, but when it's used properly, I think it's amazing and incredibly artistic and wonderful. But in here, seeing the CGI made me go, ah, isn't it nice that, like, when the robots move, they make little whirring noises? Like, because obviously (laughs) they do. Like, they have fucking servos in them. Like, they're going to make little whirring noises. They're like junky little robots that look beat up from the beginning. And whenever they're like little wheels move, you hear the little wheels move. And that happens occasionally in the newer movies. But it's a lot of that weirdness and kind of. I don't want to say realness because it's not realistic. It's still a fucking like sci-fi fantasy movie, but the texture, the texture, the tangibility. Yes, the texture just gets flattened, and you don't have that like graininess to parts of it. In the sense that this is a real world where there's real things that happen, and just something as small as like, oh, these robots are always making noises, like not just like little beep boops which are adorable. It's also just the noises of movement, the noises of a machine that is a machine it's not this perfect but like
0: wheels on sand. yeah it's not this
1: perfect thing that came out of like the box yesterday it's something that ex- existed for the while it sounds like fucking guitars i have or like you turn the like tuning pegs and they're fucking old so they make little squeaky noises or it sounds like some tools i use or like hand cranks i have it's like sounds like a real thing which is such a wonderful like textural aspect that you just feel
0: and also i mean this is this is not this movie's fault but also, it's kind. It's it's clearly not beholden to its own lore. It's not beholden to, like, having to explain itself beyond maybe the next couple of movies that are going to come. Like, I don't know offhand if the first trilogy was conceived as a trilogy. George Lucas claims it was.
1: There's some iffiness there. He also claims he knew the entire, like, nine-movie thing when he first made it. I don't believe Yeah, that. it's bullshit. But... I know he like i I do but, believe he at least had
0: some ideas in case it went well, okay, because the like as it is, it's a pretty it's i mean it ends like a serial, there's a tidy ending, the good guys win, and there's an uncertain fate for our main bad guy, yeah, like the last we see of Darth Vader is him just kind of spiraling in his ship, yeah. right, and
1: I will so, say I think the one thing he did know was going to happen is he did know the Darth Vader being Luke's father thing. I don't think he knew yeah. the Leia being
0: Luke's sister thing, because
1: otherwise parts mm. of this movie are kind of weird.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they sure are. Um, it's like, it, th- this is the tragedy of Star Wars. You see where it started, and you see where it ended up. It's two very different I And mean, You you didn't love The Rise of Skywalker? I didn't, because neither remind you. Haven't you haven't seen it. I've only... I have not seen it. I've only the only other one I've seen is Empire, which is a great movie too. Yeah, Empire. When it comes to Owens. children. It's got, oh, it's when got it, Billy D. Williams. I can't wait to see Billy, Billy D. Williams. Billy Williams is in it. Oh man. And you know, the 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 the, the Vader the Vader reveal is yeah. great. It's a good piece of like sort of it's a good piece of like sort of melodramatic filmmaking. And uh, uh, directed by uh by hired by by sort of legendary sort of Hollywood carpenter uh, Ivan Kirshner. So just real quick
1: derailment. Kind of related, but not quite. Mm-hmm. So speaking of the Rise okay. of Skywalker, okay. which is an absolute dog shit movie. Um, the more I think about it, the more I fucking hate it. Is that the last one? Like the Abrams one? Yeah, that was the last one's episode nine. Um Okay. Which I thought that the Force Awakens was fine. I was like, oh this is like this is a Star Wars. It's enjoyable.
0: That's the the uh, the Johnson one?
1: Uh no. That that's the middle one. It's the last Jedi, it's the Johnson one. Still haven't seen that. I bet I'm going to fucking love it because like everyone who knows me is like, you love the weird shit in Star Wars and The Last Jedi is all weird shit, so you'll probably enjoy it. But Also, Ryan Johnson, no slouch. Yeah, pretty good filmmaker turns out. But The Rise of Skywalker, I have, even though I think it's a dog shit movie, I have a very good memory of it um, because, and stop me if this, is, if this is like too treacly or cute, um, I saw it on the first date I ever went home with Julie. Aww. yeah um, <laughs> uh we went ice skating and then we talked for a while while drinking tea and then we went to go see rise of skywalker because we didn't want to go home and um she, she that was when she was like working like 60 or 70 hours a fucking week um and she it was this was like at like 11 o'clock at night and she fell asleep while we were watching it and what do you call it a it was very cute and b mm-hmm. like i looked over at her sleeping and i was like fuck, I really like this girl. Like, I'm really into her, and I can't wait to see her again. That is five stars. Is my memory of The Rise of Skywalker, so it gets a little boost in my memory. But I will go. say also the other thing I liked about it is that it reminded me that I really fucking love Star Wars because, like, I didn't engage with the Star Wars sequels, um, like, the, like the newest group. I didn't see Rogue One either. I didn't play any of the recent video games because so I was like, oh, that was a thing I used to love. I'm just not looking for it anymore. It's just not the kind of thing I'm into. Sure. And then all of a sudden, like... I see Chewie, or I see, like, f- fucking, like, a lightsaber. I see, like, all these things that I know, and I'm like, holy shit, I love Star Wars. It was just that kind of, like, feeling, and that's also why I gave it way too much slack when it first came out. Because I was like, Star Wars, it's it rules. I love Star Wars shit. <laughs> and I'm inherently biased towards uh, all Star Wars things because of that. I should just make that clear before we end up making... The decision between these two films. Mm,
0: I see. Okay. I see. I, I think I'm putting, uh, picking up what you're putting down. Uh, so let's talk about Jaws. Yes. Uh, my first experience with Another Jaws, incredibly successful it, franchise. <laughs> yeah. This one went a sort of more predictable route where it's like, you know, uh, diminishing returns and untimely death. The best um, way. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, um, you you either live long enough to have three shitty sequels, or you either die after your third shitty sequel, or live long enough to become sort of uh, sort of metastasized part of culture. I will say,
1: like, can I say real quick that my favorite thing about the Jaws sequels? They're all bad, by the way. I've seen all of them; none of them are enjoyable, not even in a like so bad as good way. But he did say one of my favorite thing. Like Michael Caine said one of my favorite things mm-hmm. ever about Jaws the Revenge which is the fourth Jaws film says he said uh, I think I said yeah. I have never seen it but by all accounts it is terrible however I have seen The House That Is Built and it's terrific
0: mm, I love a pro like that <laughs> um so my first experience with Jaws was again watching it at home on my television uh in sort of a half awake stupor and I gave it 4 stars couldn't quite understand what made it so great like what? Why people were like you know sh- like why the stars were like fucking hemorrhaging uh, <laughs> among among my peers. And then I rewatched it at like a reasonable time after a reasonable night's sleep, and concluded that it was in fact a masterpiece.
1: <laughs> Speaking of stars hemorrhaging, Robert Shaw in this movie, right? Sure,
0: right. <laughs> was Robert Shaw a star? Was he like a character guy? Yeah, you no, know, Robert Shaw was,
1: like I I know the name Robert Shaw he, he was in the Sting, taking a poem one two three okay. uh, from sure, Russia okay. with love. Uh Man for All Seasons, The Deep, Sinbad,
0: uh The Golden Voyage, to be clear, Battle of the Bulge. There's right. been in a
1: lot of real, really famous
0: films. I think he's quite good. All right. Um so for for whatever reason, this time around I was a lot more attuned to uh to what Jaws was trying to do. And again, much like Star Wars, this is kind of a gussied-up B movie. Um although not even really is... gussied up. A a little more gussied dub because it is kind of gnarly at points, as one would expect from a movie dealing with a giant giant killer shark. shark. Um, I think the filmmaking in this movie is really good. I think the performances are very strong. It looks fantastic. Again, another iconic John Williams score. Uh, Whatever. Mm -hmm. Um. And uh another sort of uh maybe maybe facile, but no doubt kind of effective of the way that sort of um I guess sort of capitalist interest just literally just endangers people. Uh, I mean yeah, like when uh funny enough, when COVID like was a thing last
1: year when we first started this whole business, remember that, Derek? Mm. A year ago? Yeah, I remember I remember April twenty twenty oh, or March twenty twenty. You ever think about how like other countries that are real countries that aren't just failed states (laughs) uh like are able to go back to their fucking real lives already like like months ago meanwhile like we are just dirtling along continuing to just kill people anyways this isn't the time for that i suppose
0: but when that was (laughs) happening people are going to ball games in korea and shit i mean the olympics might happen because japan like didn't completely biff it but um
1: it, it, people were posting like that photo set in Jaws of like the you know, mayor being like, "Hey, I don't really give a shit. Like the beach is staying open, like it's mm-hmm. going to be fine." It is not
0: fine. It is not fine. It is most assuredly not fine. Instead, my favorite sequence of the film happens, <laughs> which is uh, which is like the guys, the slow geyser of blood in the water.
1: Uh, I mean, it's that whole sequence, like, the, like that's the shark attack of the film in my brain. Like that's okay. when, like a everyone's like everyone's there. So you see the kid mm-hmm. die, and then you sure do. <laughs> sure he explodes into a fucking fountain of blood. It's it's fucking gnarly, like you said. Like it is. I, I forgot how rough this movie gets in a really great way. So there's that, and then you and then the shark goes over to like the little smaller area where um, uh, Roy Scheider's son uh, is like uh, boating, boating around, mm-hmm. and. Another person dies there, not Roy Shutter's son, spoilers, mm-hmm. but that also has my favorite shot in the film, which is, I love the image of things coming out of like the dark water where you can only see part of them. The rest of them is still submerged. You're just like, mm-hmm. it's like, it's like a natural fade effect and yeah. you see from above. It's the first time you ever see the actual shark because the rest of it is like people being taken under or like, um, like the blood and like, you'll see all of that, but you won't see the shark. The first time or
0: like the tail or like the tail fence sticking out of the water exactly
1: the first time you see the actual shark, it's an overhead shot and it's a shark coming out of like this dark water, so you can only see half of it, which is probably because the model didn't work great as is that's so famous <laughs> um Bruce was a shitty animatronic that barely functioned bad actor um you see it coming out of like the water and it's so big, and you see it underneath this person it's about to kill, and it's just fucking terrifying. And it's so big! I've, it's so big! I forgot that, like, this movie could be scary. Like, that sounds kind of silly because, like, it's a horror movie. It's an exploitation movie. It's a horror movie.
0: Um, yeah, it's a killer shark movie. It's a monster movie. Yeah. And I forgot that, There's like, a movie with a monster in it. There was a reason people got so scared by it, they wouldn't
1: go into the water. Like, that's not just, like, a cliche. Like, that is a real thing. People got, like, so terrified of this, they wouldn't want to go swimming because of those kinds of images. And it's—I'm already scared of the water. To be fair, I'm very much a Roy Scheider in this film, except that I'd mm-hmm. never be a cop. Don't worry. But <laughs> um, it was just such a like a like a beautiful and ugly image at the same time, and it shows that a Steven Spielberg, very good director. I don't think it's controversial to Amazing. say one of the, one of the greatest to do it. And B, I kind of wish he would just stay the fucking exploitation director forever, because those beautiful shots—and there's a bunch of them in this film. Are so good and they're placed in such like grody circumstances. Like this kind of just talk talk about grit. Talk about like feeling real. Like this movie feels that way. Like you feel all the texture of everything. You feel whenever the wood breaks apart. You feel like you can like I could like feel the sharp tooth in my hand when uh, Richard Dreyfus grabs it out of the that hole.
0: Yeah. When Dreyfus, incidentally, when Dreyfus uh, comes into the movie, and by the way, fucking fire fits from Mr. Dreyfus in this movie. Great performance. Also hot as fuck. <laughs> um, I don't know why I, it completely went over my head how good fucking Dreyfus was in this movie because he fucking rules. I mean, Shaw has, like, the meteor part, like, the more actorly part, and Scheider is just doing the Scheider thing and he's great at it, but Dreyfus is, like, fucking on one. And when he, like, around the beginning when he shows up and he does, uh, and he goes to the morgue and does the autopsy, and, like... It's that perfect horror thing of, like, we know there's a gross thing in frame, but it's out of focus and dark. And it's, like, A, our imagination, and B, it's Dreyfus's reactions.
1: Yeah. Like, the fact that him, a shark expert, is, like, oh, God. It's, like, this is fucked up. What the hell am I looking at?
0: Like, there's so much of this
1: movie, like, that feels so iconic that it's hard to, like, really look at it. But then there's moments where, like, I forgot exactly how it happens that he... He tells Roy Scheider and the mayor, like, hey, maybe you got your shark. Maybe this was the guy. But this bite radius doesn't fit what we have. So, like, you don't got it, basically. You don't got it. Is, like, kind of chilling, like, how he says it. Because obviously, like, the movie just started. You know it's not over yet. But it's such a good way to deliver that information.
0: Yeah, that whole shouting match r- around, like, the sign. Yes. That's been sort of defaced with, like, shark fins and shin. <laughs> oh, Fuck it, um, and then, I forgot the entire like second half of this movie is on that boat. Yeah, that whole second half, and it like it it like ends in the water. They don't go back to shore, which is a great choice, which is an awesome choice. And, and also, um, uh, it does steal. To be fair, it does
1: steal the ending from uh, Deep Blue Sea, but uh, you know.
0: I was going to say I recently <laughs> watched uh, Deep Blue Sea for the first time, which is basically smooth brain's Jaws. It's a great movie. I think it's. I think it's. Uh, that's. Uh, that's what. That's your boy, Renny Harlan. Sure is. It's, it's maybe my favorite okay. Renny Harlan flick. I think it's okay, but it's very watchable. <laughs> it's got a great LL Cool I, J performance.
1: Yeah, LL Cool J is in a different movie than everyone else. <laughs> He's in the movie that that is actually there. Everyone else is trying to be in a good movie. He's like, I know a movie I'm in. Him and I Samuel think, Jackson, I think,
0: also knows. I think the fact that everyone else kind of plays it straight kind of helps agreed but ll cool j is just and sam jackson is still in the right movie but ll cool j is just such in a different movie god not i just god, I, love, I love i love i love a parrot that swears <laughs> but speak but i mean we can't talk about jaws without talking about the sort of you know like the 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 scars comparison scene real quick
1: um, I just want to say um, I'm actually looking at Rennie Harlan's filmography just to make sure, and uh, it's either Deep Blue Sea or Devil's Pass, which I think is a fucking great found footage film, or Cutthroat Island. That might just be because I love Gina Davis and I want her to marry me. But <laughs> you know, a big cliffhanger head. Uh, cliffhanger's fine. It's like it's. I think it's him in his like generic mode, um, in the negative sense, where he's like not doing a ton with the material. Whereas I feel it's very similar to like how The Covenant is, or um, The Legend of Hercules, which is his worst movie. Uh, or The Adventures of Ford Fairlane, which is fucking dog shit. That's uh, the Andrew Dice Clay thing, right? Yep. Oh, man. But like Five Days at War, which is his movie with Val Kilmer that's like about uh, Kosovo, question mark? <laughs> I wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. Um, it's definitely about Russian airstrikes in Georgia, turns out. It's a real good movie. I, I actually do recommend that. Along with Cleaner is also a pretty good movie. Uh, that's one of his other movies with Sam Jackson uh, where Sam Jackson kind of plays like a meek guy like not like the, the oh, action hero. Uh, it's really good.
0: Born um, American
1: is also is interesting. I um, got a lot to say about Rennie Harland.
0: Of don't course you? I do. I've seen almost all of his movies. Um, Exorcist. Do you like the, that. What's the Jackie Chan Johnny Knoxville one? Skip Trace. It's real good.
1: Okay. I'm not going to say it's real good. I say if you're going to watch a movie it could be one of them. It could be one of them. It could <laughs> be a movie. It could it,
0: it could it could fill out hundred minutes of your time. Um, Exorcist: The Beginning is the best Exorcist movie. That's an asinine take. It's a pat. That is a laugh
1: take. Oh uh, boy! Um, nightmare on Elm Street four is the second best Nightmare movie. And I don't really have any skin in that game. Die Hard two is quite good as well. Um, Mind Hunters, real fun. Anyways, let you, uh, uh, twelve rounds. Great John Cena performance. That movie's fine. Um prison, also pretty good. I'm so, I'm gonna stop now. <laughs> You're just naming Rennie Harlan movies. I've s I have i can not stop myself. I when I when I get in Rennie Harlan, I just I just get so excited because the man the, is the not the scars, a very good movie maker, but he's made a lot sc- of
0: good movies. The scars scene in Jaws. The dramatic yes. linchpin of the film, where Spielberg already well Spielberg, well the, the, the script already does a pretty good job of like sort of fleshing out B movie style what these guys are about. And then just kind of braces and buckles down during that scene and gives him and sort of fleshes out that third dimension, especially uh, our boy, Robert Shaw, who is basically just a grouchy, salty dog up until this point. Mm-hmm. And now you've got pathos and now he's got something to lose. And now, you know, he's going in that moment, you know, he's going to die. Yes. In that moment, when fucking Robert Shaw's going on about how shark's eyes are black like a doll's eyes, you know, that man doesn't survive the movie. Which is great because, you know, that's it's more something that you feel more than something that's like laid out in the script. It's not like a cliche. It's good script writing if you can. It's imagine. good script writing. Uh, was that one of the awards I was nominated for? No. Nah, editing sound score. To be fair, deserving. I feel like again, I feel like such a schmuck's like, what are we gonna do? Talk about Jaws? It's like what 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 can we bring to the table about like the great American movie?
1: I mean it's just like uh, like what I had to say was like texture, like the fact that it does feel that way. And um, like with the scars scene, the one thing I also loved about it is, I forgot how much it like kind of changes your perspective on the Richard Dreyfus, Dreyfus character, at least it did to me. Because before that, he's like, yes, he knows how to like sail and like he knows stuff about boats, but he's still in your brain, kind of like a rich kid. He's kind of a uh, kind of stuffy, a little bit. Yeah, and is then that a book learning sort. And then he shows a bunch of, like, scars he has from, like, getting bit by a bunch of sharks. And you're like, oh, like, this is, no, this guy, this is yeah, a this real motherfucker. Um, yeah. He just doesn't show it at first.
0: And, uh, yeah, like, from that point on, our per- – well, again, good script writing. From that point on, our perceptions of all these characters has changed because they've been, like, fleshed out. Um, ah, Man, like, I don't know, bro. It's fucking Jaws. I mean <laughs> – Yeah, it's it's a really – really good film. It, it's weird because this movie is like still kind of like like both these movies and I don't want to like sort of step on our eventual decision but I feel like these both these movies are like sui generis in their way and mm-hmm. the legacy of one. I think I think Jaws is the better movie. I'm just going to come out and say it. Okay. But or rather I should say and part of the part of my reasoning is that um, there's a I, I, part of it, I guess, is just kind of cultural baggage. Whereas, like Star, like St- Star Wars, is a tragedy. Whereas Jaws, even though it has three kind of crappy sequels, like, and I mean, and like if you just look at like Star Wars,
1: gave us George Lucas? Question mark Jaws gave us Ge- Steven Spielberg, essentially.
0: Yeah, well, Lucas goes on like after Star Wars, he goes on to direct. He's basically a producer, directs the prequels, and that's pretty much it, right? Yeah. Spielberg goes on to have one of the GOAT careers in Hollywood. And Jaws brings us B-movie-flavored blockbuster filmmaking. Star Wars brings us the MCU. For good or ill. That's a really rough take
1: on Star Wars. I'm not saying you're necessarily entirely wrong. I do think that like
0: – Yeah, Star Wars, not the movie Star Wars. No, but what but Star, like, Wars Star Wars became. Because yeah. there's something that happens between – and I posted about this on Twitter and no one has gotten back to me because no one gives a shit about Twitter. But there's something that happens between like 1983 and 2001 where um, where backstory stuff and lore stuff becomes more de rigueur. People – really, really sort of latch onto this. And I'm trying to figure out if there's something else there other than Star Wars, because the only thing that I can think of is like TV. It's like Star Trek. Yeah, it's like young Indiana Trek. Jones. It's, 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 it's TV stuff. I don't know what happens between 83 and 01 where it's like, we've got to know about what, makes, what made Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones. We got to know about what made Darth Vader, Darth and, Vader. To be fair, that is the entire history of comic books. It's com- okay, yes, it's comics, it's clearly comics, one hundred percent,
1: Well that's the entire point of it is like, hey, let's give you way more lore than you would ever possibly need, and we're gonna have to reset this universe multiple times because there's just too much of it, and like it's, but I will say, okay, is someone who did consume a bunch of that for Star Wars, Mhm, you think like why did I consume that? I didn't yeah, really... please give me this perspective because it's something that I cannot give. so I it wasn't like I didn't read a ton of the books that were like sequels to it. Like like I mean, yes, Myra Jade is wonderful. We all lo- we all love Myra Jade. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> it's Luke Skywalker, Skywalker's fucking wife. I'm sorry. Mara. I don't know why I said Myra. My bad, everyone who just fucking jumped out of their seat and yelled at me right now. It's Mara Jade. Um, yeah, she's, she's Luke Skywalker's <laughs> wife. She's dope as fuck. She's, like, the only good thing that um, happened in early... Hey, I, should, I haven't ever read every single of the, uh, like, sequel books, but she's great. Um, but the stuff I liked more was two main things. One was uh, explication of minor characters. Like, there's a really, really good... Like, the best Star Wars Extended Universe book of that initial bunch was uh, The Bounty Hunters, which is a bunch of short stories telling little bits about each of the Bounty Hunters you see in, uh, I want to say, number two, number two? Is that right? I mean, number six, technically, but, or number five, rather, in Empire? Em- in Empire, yes. So um, it gives you interesting stories about all of them, like, fun Boba Fett story, whatever. Like, I mean, I like any kid, I loved Boba Fett. Now I fucking hate Boba Fett because I'm, like, tired of his shit. Um, but it also has an incredibly good story about IG-88. Um, basically that he was a, like, droid programmed to do, like, war. It was a weapon. And then he, like, split his consciousness into different places. And it's, like, a story about, like, what it means to be, like, a self and human. And essentially he has a distributed consciousness across multiple beings. It is super fucking awesome. But Hmm. the thing that I liked more, like, the reason I played KOTOR a ton is because it's set so far back that theoretically you can draw a line from there to Star Wars the movies. But not really. (laughs) Uh, It is essentially its own self-contained thing set in the universe with things I like from Star Wars. Like there's the Force. There's lightsabers. There's like all these aliens that I really like. There's hopping between different planets. Most of them which you haven't actually seen very much of before. Like you go to Coruscant, Coruscant, People are gonna be so mad at me that mispronouncing shit from Star Wars. It's fake. Don't get mad at me. It's not real. It's fine.
0: Don't worry about it. Please don't.
1: Um, Tatooine. Do, I believe do, you go to. Do
0: not at Isabel.
1: Um, but then like when you go to Tatooine, it's not just like let's redo a New Hope. Instead, it's like, hey, did you know there used to be dragons at Tatooine? You're gonna go and like go to one of their caves and find a lightsaber crystal there. It's dope. It's really cool. And and that's like the stuff I like is when it uses this world that I find. Enjoyable. It's this world that I like, like the texture of, and I like the feel of to be inside, and the kind of thing that you as a kid would imagine yourself inside of, and it takes different things into that. Like it, it, it does its own thing with that. So, so I kind of that, like
0: a like a Discworld approach, one might say.
1: Never read any Discworld, but I think theoretically oh, okay. yes. I was thinking right. more of like like a, whatever the Dispossessed and uh, Left Hand Darkness are for Ursula K. Le Guin. Okay. Um, same idea, yeah, where it's like, here's this same world, and there's a bunch of things that happen in it, and theoretically you could link them together, but you kind of don't need to, and that's not really the point of it. Okay. Instead, so it's just a, a vibe. And I like, I fucking love the vibe
0: of Star Wars. We may be at an impasse.
1: Yeah. Hmm.
0: How many videos you got left? I have two left. No, I've, uh, yeah, I have two.
1: So do I. Yeah. Um, I mean, (laughs) I don't think this is the kind of thing we should use a veto on. I think this should be a preview of what our arguments will look like when we lose all of our vetoes in the last couple rounds.
0: The fact that this was a first round matchup is a complete and total fluke.
1: Yeah, and it's it's one of the roughest matchups in the first round because it's not just that they're both iconic and they're both incredible (laughs) movies. I feel comfortable saying that. They're both incredible movies. The extra difficult thing is that they're incredible for basically the same reasons
0: the same reasons the same time frame these guys were homies they share credits like i don't think we've could have drawn two movies (laughs) so joined at the hip that as these two like i'm gonna well okay so i am voting for jaws it sounds like you're voting for star wars yes definitely how are we going to entangle this without using a veto so... Is Empire is Empire on this list? It is. Okay. Is Empire a better movie than Star Wars? Hmm. I haven't seen it for a while, I'll be honest. So... Who's, who's... Okay, time for a little... Oh, everyone's favorite. Time for a little bit of metagaming. <laughs> Who is Empire going up against in round one? Let's, I have no idea. I'm pulling up Challange. If it's an easy one, I think we should let Jaws go through. That feels
1: bad, but I don't think you're necessarily wrong. It's going up against Guardians of the
0: Galaxy. Okay,
1: sure, Jaws, you win. Fuck Guardians. Okay. Of the... Guardians of the Galaxy is, like is a the... perfectly good movie. It's not beating Star Wars Episode Five. It's not beating. Sorry, it's not beating
0: Empire. <laughs> it's like I haven't seen Guardians of the Galaxy, but I can't imagine a universe that's better than it's Empire. Worth. I mean, yeah, that, that. I mean, as we've seen so did previously Hashi. on this show, so did Hashi. Just because something makes you cry doesn't make it good. Correct. Um. um so. So, thanks to the gods of metagaming, we were able to get out of this one relatively unscathed. Uh, good show to Star Wars. You are... Just because you lost in round one doesn't make you less iconic. <laughs> but Jaws is just a little bit more iconic. Oh, come on now. <laughs> so.
1: Um, uh, well, I, oh, I'm happy with that. How this that was movies. Out. So, next time... I feel
0: like we've actually for... been pretty
1: coherent in this episode. I want to give us Congratulations.
0: Uh, yeah, I think so. I think you held up for someone who has a severe case of Ramadan brain right now. I'm doing the best I can. Uh, so next, so in round two, we will have a matchup of The Apartment versus Jaws. Real quick. Uh, these are these are both movies that I gave five stars to. This is going to be very difficult.
1: They're both excellent films. But real quick, um, can I just talk about something that we're not going to like – it's not long enough for an intro segment, but I just want to bring it up because I like it. Yeah. Okay, so the reason I was thinking of Nick Cannon earlier, this I don't even know if this was <laughs> recorded. <laughs>
0: I don't think it was, but um, I uh, know we were talking about the Chappelle uh, We were talking about Chappelle show uh, off yes. mic earlier before the show. The Reason I was thinking of Nick Cannon is because I was googling um his alter ego. Are you aware of his alter ego? Does Nick Cannon have a um, fuck? What's the Garth Brooks one? Chris Gaines?
1: Not quite. It's not. It's not that drastic. It's not that respectable as Chris Gaines. I will say mm. I I. I really appreciate like Chris Gaines as a as a thing, as a, as concept. a concept. It's not good music. Like I, I like Garth Brooks' music and I don't like Chris Gaines' music. What balls on Garth Brooks to do that at the height of his fame? Yeah, just like going for it. But um no, he made a he made an album called White People Party Music.
0: The Alter Ego did.
1: Uh well Nick Cannon did, but he had, he was an alter ego in it, if that makes sense.
0: Okay. White people party music. So is it just a bunch of like credence?
1: No, I haven't heard the album because I don't listen to fucking Nick Cannon albums because I'm, I'm an adult. I'm um, not gonna do that.
0: Good, good point. <laughs>
1: but the thing that I love that about about this incident is that he put on whiteface for Twitter, <laughs> and he ha- d- he created a new character called Connor Smallnut, and <laughs> I I love. It sounds like
0: something from the Love Guru. <laughs> That's why I love it. It's so good.
1: Um, and the the tweets that he like posted in. Um says, it's official, I'm white. Hashtag white people party music. In stores April 1st. Dude, go get it. Join the party. Hashtag... April 1st. Come on, bro. Come on. Hashtag good credit. Hashtag dog kissing. Hashtag beer pong. Hashtag farmer's markets. Hashtag fist pumping. Hashtag cream cheese eating. Hashtag racial draft. Bro, I got drafted. I like the bit. I can can appreciate the bit. And plus, it made me think Uh, of White Boy Summer, which is still happening in my heart. Hashtag Chet Hayes. Chet Hayes, the most respectable of uh the the hanks family members if i was gonna hang sh- if i was gonna hang out sure with one that? person who was in the tom hanks family it'd be chet hanks it would not be tom hanks uh, i have been on record as saying tom hanks is uh a war criminal oh, and one of the greatest criminal? evils to ever be unleashed upon america that's something i'm somewhat sarcastic but i also have some issues with tom hanks uh, which we will get to when we talk about Forrest Gump. Because that uh, summarizes all of my issues with Tom Hanks. What about Rita Wilson? What about Colin Hanks? Colin Hanks is fine. He doesn't have the, the, the joie de vie that a Chet Hanks has. Chet Hanks is living a life that... like, here, Here's how special Chet Hanks is. Okay. He can make a video where he sits in his car and says that he's got a feeling it's going to be White Boy Summer. And... No one is like this is racist because clearly he doesn't mean it that that way. Are we sure
0: that no one thinks it's
1: racist? I'm sure in the dregs of Twitter, but the like Chet Hanks is just such this being of chill vibes that you know that's not what he means. (laughs) You know that instead he means like sublime, like you're gonna listen to a lot of sublime. Instead he means you're gonna drink a lot of Heineken. Instead he means like you're gonna go to pool parties where no one actually gets in the pool. That's what Chet Hanks means. And white boy summer is for you don't have to be white, don't have to be a boy. It's for everybody. Doesn't even have to be summer. Doesn't even have to be summer. Like, it's white boy. It's white boy summer right now in my apartment. I'm gonna go listen. To, <laughs> I'm gonna listen to Trapped. <laughs> it's a bad example because because <laughs> they're super racist now or whatever. I think they're like they're like very big Trump oh, fans. Are they? Yeah, they're very big Trump fans. They're headstrong to take PC culture on. Oh my god! No, instead, I listen to like Transplants and Lamb of God or whatever. Um,
0: is Lamb of God a white a white boy summer band? Like sublime,
1: I, I I I so I made a I have a playlist on Spotify called like White Boy Summer. I didn't That's include right. Lamb of God on there just because it doesn't seem to have quite the same vibe. But it is kind of like a similar guy. Like there's a type of guy, and the type of guy of Chet Hanks's persuasion is the type of guy who would listen to Lamb of God, right? Like 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 I like, think I, 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 he, like he I listens think... to like Metallica and he listens to like Pantera and he listens to Lamb I of God. I think maybe.
0: I think maybe he listens to Avenged Sevenfold.
1: Uh, that's, a, that's a good poll. You know what, Derek? I like that even more. I think that's closer <laughs> to the truth of Chet Hanks as a person. Well, you know you know me. The white boy in the summertime. <laughs> that's my favorite Mungo Jerry song. <laughs> it's on your favorite Sly and the Family Stone song. That's a, Oh, okay. I had to think for a second. Sly and the Family Stone are great. Yeah, I don't think you'll get any argument from me. Uh, there's a riot going on is maybe my favorite album of the seventies. That's my favorite album of
0: the seventies.
1: That's a, that's a very big claim. Do you fair. I haven't actually looked at what, what are other options I could have, but I know I fucking adore that album and it's, it's perfect. It's probably thick as a brick because of course it is.
0: I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got a, 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 as one lives by the sword, one must <laughs> die by it as well.
1: I mean, if, that, if that's true, I should be like, Oh, it's like the silver apples
0: albums. That's my favorite album of the seventies. Well, the, well, those are late 60s albums or whatever. Oh, are they? They are. 1969, I believe. Both of them. The first two.
1: Hot damn. That is like even more forward thinking than I thought they were. Yup. Yeah, 68,
0: 69. R.I.P. to Simeon Cox, who died last year. Yeah, Man, I should listen to those two albums once we're done with this. They're good records. Yeah. But this is not a podcast where you talk about how awesome Jethro Tull and Silver Apples are. This is a podcast where I do the plugs, and then we fuck off. Sure. Because we've been at this for almost not? two hours. What? So we haven't gone before, for two hours. Before, almost. I it, guess. Well, almost. It's an hour fifty now, but with the edit, it'll probably be less than that. So next time, uh, so round two, the apartment versus Jaws. It's going to be rough. It's gonna be bloody. It's gonna be rough going to get bloody. Yep. Yep. Because a shark's going to bite Jack Lemon. It's going to be like um, a
1: party and a hold steady song. <laughs> it's a reference to the lyrics right. of the last song on "Stay Positive," I believe. No. On what's her first one? Uh uh Separation uh, Sunday? Nope, that's their second one. Oh. Uh hold on. I'm Googling this right now. Don't worry, Hold Steady fans. It's my second favorite Hold Steady album. I can't remember why I don't uh, remember what it's called. Uh Almost Killed Me. Almost yeah. Killed yeah, Me. Yeah, the, the last song is called Killer Parties. And uh uh the uh what do you call it? The thing I'm referencing. I don't, I've already started this saying this, so I'm just going to keep doing it, even though as I'm saying it, I realize I don't actually need to keep doing it, but we're already here. So the line I'm referencing is, uh, Ch- Craig Finn <laughs> says, these parties, they start lovely, but they get druggy and they get ugly and they get bloody. That's the riff that happens. Apparently the new Hold Steady album's good. I bet they're, I mean, I much every Hold Steady album's at least pretty good well this one's like good, good. yeah like, yeah i've heard i've good, heard it's like back to like like stay positive like boys and girls in america
0: era boys and girls in america yeah was the reference but anyway yeah. which uh, is the plugs. third best if you... hold City album i don't dog i don't have my rankings of every band's discography okay. in my head oh, at you... the ready oh the whole city is one of my favorite bands ever that's the only reason i have this okay
1: which is also a very unusual uh, choice for me but because they're just a fucking bar yeah, band. you love... you love that beer rock don't you yeah you know me <laughs> drive by <laughs> truckers i know that's a band i've never heard them no that's a good band though. i hear i hear that same i actually down i'm going to download one of their albums because it was on a list of like uh things that i think i would like anyways yeah, Derek sp- plugs anyway
0: yeah plugs 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 uh so if you're interested in our uh in our music criticism well tough shit we don't do that go
1: back our, to uh, 2011 like when i was doing that still
0: yeah, we both had kind of a run where we were a lot more music people than we were movie people. I would argue that Isabel, maybe you're still a music person more than a. Are you? Uh, if someone asks you point blank, are you a movie person or a music person? I think I've become a, mu- a movie person. Okay, I'm, I've been that for a while. Yeah. Like I was at one point in my life. It's like the person, only like anyways. I
1: still watch new movies, whereas like the only new things I listen to. I mean, I will listen to like two new albums a year that aren't of the next two things I say is either vaporwave, which I only listen to cuz it's chill and it helps it's it's like good work music for me. Mm-hmm. Um I mean I also love it, but it's like the kind of thing where it's it's obscure enough that I can like feel special <laughs> for listening to it. Um You listen to music for the flexing is what you do. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. But um Charlie XCX, there's like two things I listen to that are new, and then I also listen to Joanna Newsome like fucking 23 hours a day. That's what I listen
0: to. I listen to a lot of records uh, by bands that I already know. Yeah, same. Like, uh, now, like, there's a there's a like if a band i like has a new record i'll listen to that but uh, sometimes i get clued into something new that i so like that i don't really that I do that. that like i haven't listened to the new lamb chop
1: album yet and you know how i uh, feel about cool. lamb chop you like them I, I think they're one of the best bands of the 90s and 2000s i've i've called them go. the country version of steely dan <laughs> that's true yeah which i think is 100 percent like accurate but we would have to get into my opinions on steely dan and lamb chop to do that so plugs instead all if right. you want to hear that, so, pay me money for
0: that, too. There you go. Um, so if you're a fan of any of this, uh, and you want to Why get in touch with be? us. Come on now. I mean, I know. Some some people like this stuff. I don't know. Perverts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so if you're interested in any of this for some fucking reason, uh, and you want to get in touch with us, you can do so by email. Uh, our address is middlebrowmadness at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to get in touch with the show on Twitter, you can do so. Our handle is at pod. Both of us are on Twitter. I am at Derek underscore G and Isabel is at Space Jam Fan. We are uh, also both on Letterboxd where you can find out if we like the movie or not and figure out who's going to win our matchups. Uh, we're both at those same handles. I am at uh, – I am Derek underscore G. Isabel is Space Jam Fan. Um, I really wish I would have that they...
1: myself with that name like a decade ago on Twitter because <laughs> like <laughs> – Yeah, who would have th- – like I, I, th- well, I think Space Jam's pretty good. I that's somewhat ironic even. I don't I wouldn't say right. I'm exactly a fan of Space Jam, but at this point so many things I've had have referenced the fact that that is my Twitter that what I would have to do is change my name on Twitter <laughs> and then immediately create a new Twitter with Space Jam fan that only redirects to mine and even then I can't actually change that on Letterboxd cuz Letterboxd doesn't let you
0: change your name. Also, are I I'm, re- I'm going to have to ask you for your take on Space Jam 2 when it comes out.
1: I'm going to see it. I need to see, uh, you, you know, I support censorship and I support censoring Pepe LePew. <laughs> uh Pepe Le Pew is canceled. He is, he is Louis C.K. of the Looney Tunes universe.
0: Oh boy. Um, he, meaning
1: he directed a very bad movie.
0: And a very well-received television show.
1: That, that television show is still pretty good, I feel like.
0: I'm not going to go back and
1: watch it because I don't like care and like yeah. I don't watch TV because I'm a grown-up. But,
0: <laughs> that was unnecessarily. You that for yeah, a second. No, I don't Come believe on. that at all.
1: That's just me being a
0: dick. I will watch um, Twin Peaks: The Return at some point. Um, I, I, I'll, I, my TV watching comes in waves. I, I'll, I'll jam a thing and then I'll just not watch TV for six months. Comes and goes um, in plateaus. Comes and goes. That's right. Six, six months later, or you're a
1: Fucking pro. Your parents would be proud. I'm going to stop that. That's a car seat headrest lyric. Uh,
0: I think I recommended that band um, to you, didn't I? Yeah, uh, it's just that their albums are so long.
1: <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Just listen to Drunk Drivers, Killer Whales. Even, even, even Smash Mouth liked that song. I mean,
0: yeah. Um, let, we know we have mail. We're, we've been sitting on uh, a, an email about M for several episodes yes. now. We will get to it, we promise. For like we half might even this podcast do, now. Yeah, we, we'll probably just do uh, like a bonus. Of some, then our next Here, Signpost episode should probably just be –
1: no, no. Fuck that. Here's my intention to people. If you send us more emails and we have a minimum of three emails, we will do a mailbag episode.
0: We'll do a mailbag episode. That's a good idea. But not until then. Uh. This is on you, <laughs> listeners. If you want the extra and content. Of, and none of this emailing us and being, oh, is your refrigerator running or some bullshit. We want real questions. Look, my refrigerator
1: already left my, my apartment. I'm not going to go catch it. There's no point in asking it.
0: It 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 deserves to be out there. It deserves to live wild and free. Wild and free. So I've plugged the letterboxes, the twitters. Um, we are part of the, uh, of the of the strong and proud and beautiful noise space uh, podcast collective. You can listen to a bunch of other shows, including uh, Isabel's other show for a good time, which is about uh, I think uh, we landed on pornography, et cetera.
1: Yeah, pornography, etc.
0: Uh, co-hosted by uh, your friend and mine and my former uh, partner in podcasting crime, Juan Barkeen. Um, every other week? Is that you asking a question? Yes.
1: Yes. Theoretically,
0: if I can get them okay. done. Okay, so uh, every other week, question mark. Um, but there's tons of other shows on there for for your podcasting needs. Um, give us a review on whatever tool it is you use to listen to these shows. Give us a give us a review that we may read on air you know what at this point it doesn't matter if it's one or five vote with your heart i'm not your boss um and we'll be right back at it in a couple of weeks with a brand new set of matchups but until that time i've been isabel arf that's right and i've been Derek. got have movies be jolly have movies be jolly good night good night